Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So welcome to another episode of People With Purpose. Today I'm joined by Andy Hawkins, who's the founder of Business On Purpose, uh, so aptly titled company for this uh, for this podcast. Uh, been in business for more than 20 years, uh, helping companies to transform the way they work, uh, closely following the B Corp uh, process and principles, uh, and is also uh, spent uh, five years in Africa uh, and and in environmental services. So brings those experiences to the fore, uh, and uh, you're also a fellow Bristolian, uh, Andy. So uh, so so welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. And I don't know whether you missed it, but Bristol Rovers won seven nil on the weekend, David. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I did see that. I was a, uh, I was away walking on the coast pass uh, this weekend, and I was there with an avid Bristol Rovers fan. So, uh, and I grew up on that part of town, so I'm more blue than more blue than red. But, um, but yeah, I'm a West Ham fan for my sins. So, uh, but I got my grandfather to thank for that. So, uh, so yeah, or blame depending on which way you look at it. So, uh, so there you go. Anyway, nice to have you with us. Uh, what, what are you, uh, what are you up to at the minute? Well, um, I basically am now spending pretty much all day, every day, helping companies go through uh, B Corp. And for you know people that are not entirely sure what B Corp is, I describe it that B Corp is to business what fair trade is to coffee. So it's a sort of mark that if you see a company has got a B Corp mark, then you know they've been through a certification, uh, and that covers a range of various different things, but basically means they're a good company, they're an ethical company, and one that you'd want to be trading with. Okay, so your so your role in your business is basically about facilitating people to go through that process. Yeah, the uh, B Impact Assessment is a uh, tool that is free to use for anyone. It's a bit like, say, the ISO fourteen thousand and one toolkit for environmental management, but the B Corp uh, program covers social impact and environmental impact so it's not just environmental there's probably 150 to 200 questions there uh, a third of which most companies will know the answer to straight off the bat another third they'll feel 50 50 ish and the final third will be i haven't got a clue can somebody please help so i help companies with those 50 50s and i haven't got a clues and coach people through so about uh, a year and a half, 20 months ago, something like that, I set up a 10-step couch to 5K uh, kind of uh, approach and now uh, mentor companies through that program. And in that last 20 months, have helped uh, just north of 130 businesses in that 20 months, which has been a delight and a pleasure. Brilliant. Well done. And what kind of businesses are they? They're quite a range, David. They uh, range in size. So we are helping uh, pre-startups and, uh, you know, single person businesses and, uh, and, and, and startups moving to scale ups right the way up through to, you know, the largest business that I've helped has had, you know, 10,000 people, multi-billion people, FTSE 250 type thing. So it scales uh, across a range of sizes. Also helped across a range of territories. So I've had obviously a lot of clients around Bristol, but all around the UK because we're now in Zoom world. And um, also probably about a dozen that are beyond uh, UK, uh, Poland, Norway, Bulgaria, USA, Brazil, Singapore. 
to a range of different countries around. Um, but ultimately, the B Corp program uh, sits across uh, 75 different countries, 150 different industries. About a quarter of the businesses in the UK uh, are based around food and beverage. There's also quite a lot around uh, digital agencies, got quite a lot of recruiters going through it, accountants, but also got a bunch of manufacturers. So quite a, a broad spread of different organisations. Yeah, that sounds interesting. So so it's all across all uh, industries then, but what, what kind of characteristics do companies uh, normally have if they're going to engage with this sort of a programme? Yeah, well, the B Corp strapline is using business as a force for good. So I get quite a few companies coming to me saying, Andy, we're not, you know, Patagonia or Finisterre or one of those kind of out there pioneer leader type eco brands, but we're just an ordinary business, be it, you know, a recruiter or an accountant. But we are conscious of how we look after our people and how we take care of the planet and we want to be doing the right thing but we're not quite sure what to do next to actually go on that journey. So that is when that 10-step program jumps in and, uh, you know, it, it helps them move through that. And for the smaller businesses, rather than coach them on a one-to-one -one basis, which might be a little bit out of their reach price-wise, we run a cohort approach. So for businesses up to 20 employees and up to about 2 million in turnover, we run this uh, weekly cohort program and have, uh, I don't know, seven, eight, nine companies on that cohort. So I guess the, the couch to 5K at that stage turns more into a bit of a park run. <laughs> Excellent, which is another another good cause. Uh, so, uh, so um, yes, and, and benefits then of being a, a benefit corporation, uh, what, what sort of benefits do come, if companies are sort of contemplating going on this journey, what, what are the kind of ben benefits that you see coming through for, for businesses? Yeah, for sure. Well, the report backs that I get from most of the clients, both in terms of when they're chatting and thinking about signing up and what they're wanting to get out of it, and then subsequently what they have feel they have gotten out of it a year or two on, some, some commonly mentioned ones are that people want to work for and buy from good businesses and therefore for recruitment, being a B Corp is a really helpful thing, uh, helping you to recruit, but not only recruit, but also retain your existing staff. So we've heard more than one or two stories about people who have been offered uh, you know, more money to move to a competitor, for example, but because they agree with the uh, the purpose that their current employer has in terms of its commitment and B Corp standing, they've chosen to actually stay with it because the new employer is not B Corp and doesn't share those same values. So, uh, you know, people and workers do do uh, value what 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 businesses are going to stand for. Then another one that is regularly uh, stated is uh, to help a company identify and then manage and mitigate risk. So we've all got various different blind spots in our business, but by going through this uh, 150, 200 questions, there's a whole bunch of things that get surfaced. And by going through that, you think, well, are we doing the right thing? Have we got the evidence? Are, you know, Have we got all of our patches well battened down? Or are we uh, open to risk? So that's, uh, that's one thing that companies uh, claim as being a benefit. 
Another thing, I do a lot of work with startups and scale hubs who are going through some sort of funding round or trying to attract investors. So for an investor, if a company was already a B Corp or going through the B Corp process, then that's a whole lot of their due diligence that is done for them straight out of the wrapper because they know they've gone through that questionnaire and they can then get the company or the target uh, company to share, share their um, impact assessment with them. So that's something that's good. And then ultimately, as I said, people want to buy from uh, B Corps. So there's a lot of trading between B Corps, um, uh, but there's also a lot of people that want to buy B Corps. Um, in March, it was B Corp month. So companies like um, Waitrose and Ocado had ILNs uh, full of just B Corp brands to help educate the public as to what B Corp brands were out there. And that went down really, really well. And then um, locally, uh, I am co-chair of the Bristol and Bath Be Local, and we meet up once every month to six weeks to uh, swap uh, stories and hints and tips as to how we can uh, be better businesses, because it's not a, a, a once and forever uh, destination, but it's more about the journey of continually getting better over a number of years. So being in a community with others that have been through the process and are maybe a bit ahead of us is also a really useful thing. So that's uh, some of the uh, benefits that companies quote as being why they wanted to go through the B Corp program. Yeah, well, that's great. Really, really powerful. And I, if you're, yeah, I can see how if you're a business of at any stage, you, you're going to potentially be looking for investment. You're going to want to uh, retain your people and your good people, and all be working uh, focused on a common goal and and and, and getting good things done uh, for the world. It definitely, definitely resonates. That sounds uh, sounds fantastic. Excellent. So, how did you get involved in all this then? What, what's what's your story? Where did where did it start for you, and uh, how did you end up here? Well, my first sales job in my early 20s was working for Cadbury. And as a uh, 20-year-old, getting given a company car and free chocolate was a pretty good gig. So I was happy with that. Yeah. But uh, after a couple of years, I uh, moved across into tech. Uh, this is uh, kind of mid-80s. And through the mid-80s and 90s, tech was a really good space to be in. So I did that for the best part of 20 years and sold uh, IT comms web-based solutions. Uh, mainly into the large corporate sector across clients throughout the Southwest. And then when we hit 40, uh, which was about 2003, 2004, my wife and I decided that we would uh, take a gap year and headed off to Africa. We thought for a year, but stayed for six years. And I guess to a certain extent, uh, my time in Africa helped me realize what it was to be doing something purposeful so that when you got home at the end of the day, you thought, that was a really good job done, you know, and I felt that I'd actually done something purposeful. Now, you know, it wasn't particularly rewarding from a financial perspective, obviously, but in terms of um, resonating with your, with your kind of guts and with your heart, it definitely hit the spot. So when we returned to the UK um, in 2011-ish, uh, I got back into business, I did five years in environmental services, helping to recycle and repurpose a load of IT kit and electrical kit. So that, again, felt good from a, 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 an environmental and a purposeful uh, aspect. I then got back into the IT and tech world. And most recently, um, I was uh, selling uh, artificial intelligence software solutions which was very funky, mainly into the financial services area. So it was great and really clever, but it didn't really tick that purposeful box. So early 2020, 
I was able to uh, start thinking about setting up my own business, which I did as iTech for good. That's what it says on the tin. And decided that I wanted to put that through the B Corp program uh, so that people would see the B Corp badge and have some recognition with that. So I started to go through the B Corp program um, in May 2020, but found it relatively uh, difficult. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, I reached out for some consultancy, but the consultancy that I was offered was starting at around, you know, five grand, 10 grand, which for a single startup bootstrapping was outside my reach. So I kind of um, muddled my way through it would be the honest truth of it, David. But eventually got through. I'd uh, spoken to a few friends who were B Corps and uh, managed to get some help and assistance from them. But I then became B Corp certified myself as a business in August 2020. The next day, my mate Daryl gave me a call and said, hey, Andy, I see you've just gone B Corp. We'd like to do that. Can you give us a hand? Yes, Daryl, you're a mate. Of course I can. Well, within one month, I'd had five mates call me and say, hey, can you help? So at that stage, I thought, well, you know, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I've been through it myself. <laughs> you know, I wasn't setting myself as anyone special, but I had been through it. But by the time I'd helped those five businesses, I was obviously starting to pick up uh, quite a lot of experience and info and insights. And then I went through uh, B Leadership formal training in February of 2021. And as I say, over the last 18, 20 months, I've now been able to help 130 businesses, um, roughly 40% on a one-to-one coaching basis, and 60% of those have come through that cohort Couch to 5K program. So what so what happened to the uh, to the tech business you were running then? Is that you still doing that as well? It's mothboard, is the, the truth of it, David. I am so busy uh, yeah. with the e corp stuff. I do occasionally get approaches for that and can still help businesses. But yeah, the truth of the matter is, when I was doing that tech for tech for good, it was almost like a tech consultancy, and I was, uh, you know, there was a, a myriad of different things that I and the tech partners that I had could do. And what's been really interesting is since I've become a one-trick pony a la Mr. B Corp, it's amazing how much that has transformed the business from being a, you know, all things to all men type thing to being a one-trick pony. And it's been uh, really, really positive for me to, to see that. And now I reckon I'm getting one inquiry per day. And partly that's because I've now got 130 clients, but, you know, the reputation's getting out there. and having that experience just helps you, uh, you know, manage those clients in a more efficient and effective way. So yeah, it's been an interesting thing, but I've effectively put down the uh, tech for good uh, business because the B Corp business is in, in such demand and frankly feels really purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and it's interesting. I was, uh, I was listening to somebody uh, talk on a, uh, on a mastermind I'm part of last week. And um, he talked a bit about purpose and he he said that um, there's a guy called Jesson James. He said he said that uh, that that you, you don't necessarily find your purpose. Your purpose finds you. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened to you in a way. Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to do good. You know, be good, help people, all of that. That was in my DNA. But didn't really ever uh, realise that there was you know a fair trade for business that was out there that was uh, that was meaningful. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few different uh, badges out there that one can get and or buy. 
but I like B Corp because it's something that is externally verified. So it's not just, you know, I'm saying that this is uh, what I'm doing and it's really good. Everyone, you need to believe me. It's something that is audited by a third party and, uh, and verified accordingly. So it's got a little bit more, um, uh, you know, of uh, robustness to it. But yeah, that, that journey of getting there, like so many other people, you know, you suddenly see an opportunity and it comes along and you think, this just feels the right thing. It fitted well with me. There were there was obviously a demand. And I don't know if you've ever come across a thing called Ikigai. Have you come across that before? Yeah, yeah. It's a great book. Yeah, so that Ikigai, I kind of just found myself in that Ikigai sweet spot of doing something that I love, doing something that you can make some money on, doing something that I'm good at and something and something that the world demands. And when you're in that, uh, you know, Venn diagram of those four all colliding, you're in your sweet spot. And that's very much where I feel I am right now. Yeah, yeah, fair play. And that's a brilliant position to be in, isn't it? And we'll, we'll put the details of Akigai, uh, the book, in the show notes for people so uh, so they can have a look at that for themselves. Because, again, it's quite a simple way of thinking about things. It does take some thought, though, doesn't it? If you actually do it uh, and sit down and go through the exercise, uh, it, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite challenging. You've got to be really honest with yourself, and, uh, and 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 you kind of you sort of see things as you do it that you don't necessarily want to look at because they might be a little bit scary or or, or different to what you're doing now require a change. But it's definitely a very good exercise to go through. Yeah, for sure. There was another one that I came across a little. Um acronym that this book unpacked which was called what is your story what strengths do you have what topics do you enjoy what are your optimum uh, working conditions what relationships do you have and what is your yes factor when you look back across your life and you do something you think i really enjoyed that really felt that that landed and resonated with me and you felt that yes kind of thing uh, they were all good signposts to where you should perhaps be operating. And I think it's not dissimilar to Ikigai, but having gone through that uh, framework as well, it helped me kind of land where I was on, on Ikigai. I also think Ikigai is really good because if you're slightly out of kilter on one of those areas, it explains why, you know, for instance, what you're doing might feel very charitable but you're not actually earning anything. And therefore, you know, you're slightly out of where that central sweet spot could be. So uh, being able to do something that I feel is good and, uh, you know, beneficial to so many companies, but also be able to make a living out of it, that means that you're right in that central sweet spot. So it's a great framework and I'd certainly recommend it to anyone. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So uh, purpose then for you, it sounds like that's been something that, has been a bit of a sort of a calling for you or you've been conscious of it for quite a while do you remember when you first became aware of purpose being a a key driver for you and how that came about yeah i think you know i'd grown up with parents that were always involved in the local community and doing things and serving others and charity work and that sort of thing so i'd seen it modeled um i then got into a uh, you know a sales career and um you know your sales career generally is about making the numbers month in, month out, year in, year out, you know, and as soon as you get a new year, the clock was reset and off we go again. So um, like I say, when we hit 40, uh, we thought we'd just take a year out uh, with with my two daughters who were uh, seven and four at the time and just, you know, go off on a bit of an adventure for a year and put something back into society. We were living in East Devon at the time. 
in a little thatched cottage down by the sea. It was all very, uh, you know, wonderful. But we thought it would be good to put something back back into society. So when we looked at that, we thought, well, who is at the bottom of the ladder? And having done some uh, thought and investigation about that, we came out with, uh, this is back in 2003, uh, kids who were born HIV positive were at the bottom of the ladder, in our opinion. So that wasn't going to be a UK uh, focused solution. So we headed out to Africa that following year and then got involved, yes, in HIV uh, kids, but also much wider remit, including, uh, you know, poverty related uh, stuff and a whole range of different projects that we helped to start then. So, um, yeah, it, it's always felt uh, resonant with me. But as I say, when I got back into the sales side, when I came back in, I then recognized that I was missing doing something purposeful, hence jumping out and starting, uh, you know, something new. So I think I've always had it. And when I've not had it, I've missed it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting as well, because quite often the perception of selling is kind of a little bit how you described it, which is kind of, you know, uh, yeah, all, all very target driven. But then with that, then comes the sort of association with, you know, twisting people's arms and, and almost forcing or coercing people into into buying stuff. And uh, selling doesn't need to be like that. I mean, selling should really be about serving people. And uh, there's the old phrase about helping people to buy, isn't there? I mean, did you find any sort of tension between sales and purpose and have to work through that? Um, I mean, there was absolutely nothing wrong with any of the product sets that I sold. I didn't feel I was, you know, pushing something that was against my own personal ethics. Uh, you know, and even in the comms and IT space, you know, what's not to like? You're helping businesses and, and society be more efficient. But it didn't have that strong sense of purpose. And uh, whilst I never, ever felt that I'd sold anything to someone, I'd always tried to help them to buy because that was always the way that I would want to be treated. So I wanted to treat people in that same way. And generally speaking, had pretty long-term relationships over five to 10 years with a lot of my clients. So you can't, uh, you know, be in there and fleece someone and then reverse out and move on to the next one when you've got long-term relationships. So selling was never um, anything bad from my perspective, far from it. I absolutely loved it. And it was to a certain extent, you know, finding out people's needs, meeting those needs, communicating, researching, mobilizing, project managing, all that kind of stuff. And to a large extent, I'm still doing that today. But I'm just, I guess, helping people find solutions to uh, their social and environmental impact measurement and improvement rather than a range of other things. And in doing that, it feels, uh, you know, happy for me and happy for them to be quite a purposeful space to be playing in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always found it because I've done a bit of sales and I've always found it. Well, actually, I've, I've not been very good at selling when it's not been a product or service that I haven't actually believed in. Yeah. Uh, so that's always been a key thing for me. And, uh, and and when I'm working with salespeople now, whether, you know, in, in, in my business or, or, or others, there's always that, that belief thing's very, very important. Uh, have you got any advice for people who, who find selling difficult? Yeah, you know, over the years, uh, people say to me, oh, I couldn't do your job. You know, I'm not I'm not a salesman and as if there's a sort of a natural born salesman. I think the stereotype of, you know, the 
the the super keen closer you know traditionally it used to be the sort of car salesman or double glazing salesman or that kind of thing you know i've never been in that kind of uh, uh mold at all and and most of us are, are not but i think if you can talk to people and, and and ask them questions and be interested in what they're going through and where their challenges are and if you've then got a solution then uh you know feel free to communicate that but there were numerous times where i said I don't think what I've got is going to be good for you. And this would be my recommendation as to where you ought to go. And it's surprising when you do that, you know, two years later, you get a phone call back from them and say, okay, I'm now in the market for what you had. And, uh, you know, because of your integrity, uh, you're someone that I want to talk to. So I think we all sell, we all communicate, we all promote, we all influence, whether you call that selling or not is really just semantics. But I think that that's really what, what I would, what I would say on it. Mm, yeah, no, I totally agree with that, and uh, and yeah, we we often find uh, at, at New Heat uh, we we sell underfloor heating and, and heat pumps, and they're not necessarily going to be the most optimal solution for for every property until they've you know insulated or or, or done done some other stuff, and uh, and so yeah, so that we, we we often get that kind of surprised. Uh, respond. You mean you're not going to sell sell me it? No, no, no. Are you are you going to be able to insulate your home properly and and or, or to to a sufficient degree and all that sort of stuff? Then we can have a conversation. You know, and we help customers out uh, or potential customers out with that as well. But um, but yeah, that, that's, it's 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 interesting actually doing that in a way to make sure that you don't actually cause offence for people as well because they want to buy your kit, you know, and uh, and so it's a tr- it's a tricky one sometimes. But you've just got to have that integrity. It's uh, it's fundamental. Yeah, for sure. So, have you got a uh, a plan then for a business on purpose? For, have you got a mission or, or or a vision for it? Well, uh, it's it's to scale ultimately, and uh, you know, I think that lots of businesses would ideally want to say, "Yes, we want to use our business as a force for good. We're not bad. We're not bad people. I'm not a bad person. You know, I don't want to sort of fleece the planet or, uh, you know, take advantage of my employees or my suppliers. You know, I want to be a a good, honest business person. So that's the kind of gut instinct. When I meet people and say, you know, do do you run an ethical business? Of course, they all say, yeah, yeah, of course I do. Almost. Who are you to question me? But then when you say, well, how do you know that you do? How have you been able to measure that? And how do you compare with other businesses in a similar sector? At that stage, quite a lot of them say, fair point. You know, yes, my gut instinct is we're good. And I always try and conduct myself in an honest and trustworthy way. But I've never actually measured that from a uh, how, what, what, what levels of governance have we got in place to ensure that we've got uh, good, good process and policies in place. Uh, how do we treat our workers? How do we engage with and listen to our uh, employees and, and, and value them uh, in terms of not just as a unit of production, but value with their, their thoughts and their values? Um, how do we measure and improve our, our environmental impact, which has obviously been on the news a lot and has been on people's radars for quite a long time, but you'd be surprised at how many businesses still have not really gotten started on their environmental impact measurement and improvement so when you start unpacking that what i love about the b impact assessment tool is that it's just a toolkit that any company can work through and i'm not saying uh, that the threshold for going b corp is 80 points david even if you scored 60 points 
that's not a bad score. Yes, it's a lower score, but all that is then going to do is tell you where your gaps are and what it is you need to do to, you know, plug those gaps. So, uh, you know, that's not an altogether bad lot of insights to, to, to learn and, and, and work your way through. So for any company to go through that uh, would be a good thing. Now, there are 5,000 B Corps internationally, just over 700 in the UK. But if you do your numbers, basic numbers, 700 businesses in the UK is not even 1% of 1%. So there is a huge amount to be done to help other businesses get to a stage where when someone says, how do you know you're an ethical business? For that owner to then be able to turn around and say, well, we went through the B Impact Assessment. We initially scored 75 points. We put a bit of a plan together because we'd spotted those gaps. And a year later, we rescored and we were at 85 points. That is a really great answer and a robust answer to be able to give yourself. Now, whether you go B Corp certified or not, and I highly recommend everyone does, but even if you don't, just going through that B Impact Assessment is a free-to-use toolkit that any business can go through. So, so that is my kind of uh, what wakes me up in the morning is to try and encourage hundreds, thousands more businesses to go through that. Now, one thing that is going to be interesting is the role of legislation in this. So there is something out there called the Better Business Act. Uh, you can find it on betterbusinessact.net. And that is an act which uh, it's a private member's bill that is currently going through Parliament. And if it gets enshrined into law in a year or two's time, then it will uh, say that every business has to publish an annual social and environmental impact report that states to Joe Public, this is where we're at from a social and environmental perspective. The fact is, there's a lot of businesses, if that law came into force tomorrow, wouldn't have a clue how to start or where to start. So the B Impact Assessment is a really good place for any business to start, almost to get ready and get prepared, ready for when and if that legislation comes along. And even if that legislation, frankly, never comes along, just the fact that you've been through that, that boot camp almost will mean that at the end of it, you are a better, fitter, stronger, healthier business. And what's not to like about that? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And I think some businesses do get a little bit caught up of my mate went through B Corp. He said it was a terribly complicated process and it took him absolutely ages. That's not to say it's lightweight by any means, but the 10 step program that we've got helps companies go through it in a meaningful but measurable way, two hours a week, something like that. You know, so it's not something that's going to stop you doing your business as usual type stuff. You'll still be able to run your business. But you will need to put aside two hours a week for two or three months. So it's not a 10-minute job, tick box, yeah, done that, next. Uh, absolutely not. It is more robust than that. But we want it to be robust and we want it, we need it to be robust for the sake of the planet and for the sake of, you know, humanity, really, in terms of looking after people, caring for people, mental health and well-being and all those sorts of things. So I want it and, and uh, I'm happy for it to be a robust journey in the same way that I can't stand up and sit down and in that simple exercise expect to have lost a stone. Yeah, I've got to get out there and put in a few miles and, and, and be careful about what I'm eating. And 
after a month or so, maybe I'll have lost a stone if I put the work in. And the B Corp program, I think, is no different to that at all. But it's it's a great program that any anyone can go through. Okay, so you're on a mission to spread that spread that message then and help as many businesses as you, as you can to go through that process. Yeah, yeah, and we're working with a number of other partners, Chamber of Commerce, for various accelerator programs to you know get them to evangelize and take the message out to people that are going through those programs many of whom are thinking about b corp and once they come across the program and realize it's not too expensive and time bound uh you know they're, they're much more likely to to give it a go mm, yeah that sounds fascinating i mean at new heat we've been very focused on on service for the last uh yeah well we, we joined the institute of customer service back in 2014 and that's been very uh we've been very focused on that and uh, and then that accreditation and that sounds like a similar kind of thing uh you know and it is it is a goes into detail and um but but that's how you learn isn't it you know and then you've got a critical friend in the institute that helps you through the process i guess you take a similar approach you've also got that community of of members if you join and become accredited uh, so you can help each other out share best practice all that sort of stuff it uh, it does sound sound very compelling i'm making notes yeah exactly exactly right david and you know in the same way that Institute of Customer Service, you know, within the B Corp program, there's five different sectors. One is governance, one is workers, one is environment, one is community, which includes how you treat your supply chain, and one is customers. So when B Corp are looking for evidence, how do you treat your customers? How do you engage with your customers? You would be able to wheel out all of the evidence that you've accrued because of your Institute of uh, Customer Service, and that would become evidence for the customer section of B Corp. Equally, if you had ISO 14001, then that evidence would become part of the evidence for your environmental section of B Corp. So it's not uh, uh, instead of or 14001 or B Corp. These things can all work together. But what I do like about B Corp is it's not just environmental. It does cover the social side as well but but yes those other certifications that people can go through investors in people there's a whole range of them Mm. they'll all form part and parcel of your evidence and if you have got quite a lot of that evidence up together then it makes it uh you know less painful to go through the uh the b corp certification so contrasting the smaller startup businesses don't have a lot of process and policy in place Mm. Of course, I've got a whole bunch of templates and surveys and policies that I can do to help them not reinvent that wheel. But they, you know, have got a bit of work to do in that space. The larger companies, the large corporates, whilst they are a bigger organization to data gather with, they've generally got stronger systems in place. They've already got a whole bunch of those processes and policies in place, albeit they need to review some of them. But it's not so much more difficult you know it's not like 10 times the effort to get a big company through than a little company through mm. it might be three times the effort but it's not proportionate to their size um so that's that's been an interesting thing to sort of journey and learn and the more mature a company is and the more 
uh, processes it's got in place, the more robust their evidence is likely to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's brilliant to hear you talk about it because you're clearly very passionate about it, and uh, and that really that really comes through. And like I said, I've been making I've been making notes, so uh, so it's helping me. Um, I just uh, one thing that's interesting about you, Andy, as well is is you've you've kind of made you've made some what 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 seem to be pretty brave decisions in your in your uh, life. You've had this this purpose thing, these values, as you say, you got perhaps from how you were brought up that have played played through uh, and and sort of been been there fairly consistency. But you know, you've made you've made changes. You know, you've gone from a a twenty year long career to to go into Africa as an as an example. And then you started a business and you found something else and 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 you've you've changed tack. I mean, for people that are listening to this that are contemplating making a change like that uh, what advice would you give them as they're you know going through the, those machinations i mean it's certainly not you know none of those choices have been made lightly you know there has been a, a, a fairly detailed amount of research uh, gone into it before we just kind of jumped out of one comfort zone into a potential frying pan <laughs> but there you're right there has been some bravery and some courage and some uh, you know what is life all about and i think you know, people have sometimes said, you know, what do you want written on your gravestone? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? And, you know, the fact that Andy was a brilliant salesman and earned a million dollars, you know, so what? But the fact that, you know, Andy was kind and cared for people and helped people and took time out, those are the sorts of things that I would want written, you know, as a legacy for me. And so those, you know, that motivation has helped me make some of those braver decisions some have gone well and some have not gone quite so well but i also think that you know in my later years you know i've changed career four or five times in the last 10 years and never stopped learning you know there's always something extra something new that's out there and i think you know be a, a lifelong learner is a really good piece of advice but in terms of if people are at a bit of a fork or a bit of a crossroads in terms of knowing what, what to do next, I think, in truth, that Ikigai book is a really great place to start to just give you a bit of a framework and take some advice from some, from some trusted you know, friends and colleagues. Talk it through with some people that have been there before you. There's lots of programs that are out there now, you know, you, uh, you know, various different accelerator programs and those sorts of things. And I think that there is advice out there that you can gain. And some things now you can start up initially as a bit of a side hustle and just trial it a little bit without actually giving up the day job and, uh, you know, see, seeing if it's something that you like, if there's a market for, and if you're showing a propensity to be able to do it. So I think there's a lot of people with portfolio careers now that are running more than one thing. That's brilliant. So I've got four. I've got four points out of that. If you don't mind me playing them back, because people might find them helpful. So, so if you're looking at making a big change in your life, understand what motivates you. Seems leapt out as point number one. Point number two: never stop. Never stop learning. Uh, point number three: uh, get advice from people that you trust. So mentors, a coach, or or, or, or friends. Friends. Friends are tricky sometimes, aren't they? Because they might they might want to protect you from taking a, taking a risk. So I suppose you've got to understand yourself. Refer to point number one if you're not sure about the advice you're being given, but get some good advice, and then yeah, four test test it and trial it and see and see how it works. Hopefully, that's a decent summary of what you just said. Absolutely, yeah. 
Good. Excellent. Cool. So uh, that is really helpful. Really, really helpful. Um, you said you touched on it that, that they've not all gone according to plan necessarily all these brave decisions that you've taken in your life um you don't necessarily need to go into into the details of 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 any of your epic fails but but what lessons have you learned through things perhaps not panning out as you'd planned i mean a fairly obvious one was when i left the 20 year sales and went to africa we thought we were going for a year and i'd had my job kept open for me now, you know, as it was, we stayed for six years. We felt that that was the right thing to do. Um, but when we eventually got back to the UK, you know, I'd been out of, uh, you know, the, the the normal job scene for six years. And I was at that stage, you know, 47 years old. So there were some challenges to getting back into a job and back doing something meaningful at that stage. And, and frankly, I'd gone backward financially. You know, so that wasn't a, an easy thing or, or something that we've gone into lightly. But looking back, was it worth it? Absolutely. You know, it's part of what made me who I am today and part of what gives me my passion to make the difference that I'm wanting to do today. So you just do need to weigh things up and be sensible. You know, we've got families, we've got mortgages to pay, we've got responsibilities and all those kinds of things. But but don't let those things uh paralyze you into having to stay on the treadmill and feeling you've got no options and you can never get off i think we've always got options some of them might in, you know include some initial pain attached to it but if the end goal is worth going for if you feel that 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 motivation and that passion is there then uh, start investigating it chat to your friends and and start experimenting as a side hustle is that something that we can make work but yeah, it's not it's not always been plain plain sailing, you know. Selling has not always been perfect. You know, I wasn't one of these sales guys that did target every year, year on year. Some some years you did, some years you didn't. The fact that the company cut your patch down and doubled your target most years was not really that helpful, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, we, we we tried. But you you, you know, you can't you can't be an absolute superstar year in, year out. Life is about ups and downs. And I think the single most important lesson that I've learned in life, you know, and I would, uh, you know, give to my younger self is all around resilience and the importance of being resilient, you know, being able to get back up when you're knocked down, having a plan B in the back of your mind so that you've pre-planned if this goes wrong, what's the next plan rather than just be paralyzed by panic um and be prepared for life's ups and downs whether that be you know individually relationally corporately whatever it might be in every aspect of life you don't get through to my age without having had a few ups and downs in all of those areas and 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 resilience i would think is is one of the best attributes that you can have it was really interesting and it really uh, struck home to me. When I was in uh, Africa in the township, there were quite frequently, sadly, township fires that because people's shacks were built so close to each other, someone's paraffin stove would go down and, you know, 100, 200 shacks would be burnt down in half an hour. But what was really interesting going into the township just after a fire was you'd look around there were some people sat on the side of the road, effectively crying in their beer. And there were another lot that were in amongst the debris, looking to salvage new bits of equipment that they could get rebuilding on because they needed to sleep somewhere tonight. 
And, you know, that often struck me as, you know, how are you, are you going to bounce or are you going to splat when, uh, when, when, you know, when stormy, stormy days heading your direction. And, uh, you know, when you look at it, when you look at the people that have really achieved something in life, as a general rule, they have got a strong resilience. It's also can be measured as something called your adversity quotient in the same way as you've got an IQ, you've got an EQ for your emotional quotient. You've also, all of us got an AQ. And that is something that is uh, your propensity to deal with challenge. Uh, so, so that's something that I think uh, as a single takeaway lesson, it would be try and grow your resilience. That's amazing. Thank you. That's, that's so helpful. That's brilliant. Okay, good. So right, what we're going to do now is we're going to do some quick fire questions. So, so, so the idea behind these questions is that you try and give us an answer in, in about less than 20 seconds, if you can. Uh, okay. so, so we'll bang through a few of these. So, so what's your favourite album and why? Uh, Cliff Richard, Silver. <laughs> that is such an unstreet cred thing to say. <laughs> but I loved it because uh, I love singing along to it. It was one of those where you had the cassette tape in the car. That dates it. And I used to just enjoy singing my heart out, driving up and down the motorway while I was repping. And uh, I got to learn all of the songs. And if ever I'm on karaoke, I'll go Cliff. Brilliant. Well, that's, that, there's, a, there's a confession, but there's no judgment here, Andy. So don't worry about that. That's, that's, that's good. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, and what would be your perfect weekend? Yeah, I love city breaks. So going off to a city somewhere would absolutely be my uh, my preference. I also enjoy, uh, you know, different languages. So uh, so somewhere that is uh, foreign, experience different language, experience different culture, that would have it for me. Perfect. And what did your nine-year-old self love to do? Entertain, tell jokes, play pranks, generally be the court jester. Brilliant. And, and then followed a career in sales. There you go. Uh, what makes you lose track of time? Um, spending time with friends, really. You know, once you get chatting and spending time with friends, you know, an hour or two can just go through and you think it's been a couple of minutes. Is there any such thing as a stupid question? Maybe that one. <laughs> Brilliant. And then, um, oh, hang on. Funny. My next question is, what makes you cry with laughter? Uh, well, I mean, I do love practical jokes. I love all things kind of slapstick. And even though one shouldn't, if you see someone trip over in the street in front of you or anything like that, you know, I can't but help, you know, try and stifle a bit of a smirk. And um, yeah, I, I, I do love dad jokes. I love sense of humor. I love love kids and you know hanging around and telling jokes to uh you know nine nine-year-old lads who still find my jokes quite funny so <laughs> that's definitely my level of sense of humor excellent and the know, know, your, know your target audience is very important yeah yeah excellent cool good good all right well that's the quick fire round done then uh, you can answer you can take a bit longer to answer this question um so uh, who who inspires you the most and why yeah, I've thought about this question, you know, from time to time, and it's a few people, but without a shadow of a doubt, William Wilberforce was a real uh, inspiration to me. You know, he took on the slave trade, took on injustice, and, um, you know, some would say 200 years on, the slave trade is still alive and kicking. But I think he actually made a real difference uh, in, in those days. So I really admire William Wilberforce. I also really admire uh, Nelson Mandela, you know, in captivity for 22 years, came out, 
could have been an absolute bloodbath and decided to, uh, you know, show uh, grace and humility and, uh, you know, truth and reconciliation hearings and that kind of thing. And while South Africa, you know, to many is still in, uh, you know, uh, dire straits and is uh, a bit of a shambles in many ways, I just think the way Mandela handled that transition was uh, was really exemplary. Fantastic. Yeah, really inspirational. Good. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And um, I suppose I've got, just got one more question uh, for you before before I, I let you go. Um, so, uh, if if you were going to give uh, somebody uh, one one piece of advice, if they wanted to to find and, and follow their purpose and do something similar to what you've done, uh, in just in one just in one sentence, what would it be? Invest in yourself and take some time to investigate you know life is busy and you'll often put off that investment especially in yourself you'll often invest in loads and loads of other people but i think just taking some time out maybe once a year to just uh you know recalibrate and decide what you want to be doing i think that that investment and, and make the investment would be the piece of advice that i'd give fantastic thanks andy that's great now where can people find find you online or find out about what you're up to or get in touch if they want to find out more about uh, b corp yeah the uh the web address is businessonpurpose.uk and they can drop me an email andy at businessonpurpose.uk there's all sorts of b corp information on there uh you know a whole range of different blogs and a bunch of information on the support page as to the sorts of costs and uh, requirements that you do if you wanted to go through the B Corp process. All of that information is on the website. Fantastic. And also, uh, I, I uh, met you on LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, so if you, send, if you send Andy a message or comment on one of his posts, he'll, prob- he'll, 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 he'll get back right back to you because that's kind of how, how we met really, isn't it? So, uh, so you're on LinkedIn as well, aren't you? Yeah, and one of my one of my um, you know tagged LinkedIn posts is one that I uh, talked all about chocolate and chocolate and B Corp. So uh, if you're going to watch one, that's mildly entertaining. Uh, I try and get a few dad jokes in there, and it tells a story about B Corp. So that's not a bad one to look out for. Fantastic, fantastic. And have you got a favourite dad joke? Um, yeah, tonight we're going to have uh, Wookie Burgers. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, David, but tonight we're having Wookie Burgers. They might be a little chewy. Nice. There you go. Well, what a way to finish. Awesome. Andy Hawkins, thanks ever so much for your time and for coming on People With Purpose. Uh, People With Purpose make a difference. And it sounds like you're definitely doing that. And uh, like I said, I've made so many notes. So thanks for coming on. Uh, And uh, yeah, people are going to love this. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, David. Great to spend time with you. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.